So uh, words, I, I, um, I mean, what the one thing that's coming to mind with these Mars angles, I looked through the ephemeris and found out that, that you know, Mars is going to pretty much be square until the 21st of January. Wow. It's going to be, tra it's going to be transiting square of some planet until then. Um, yeah. And so our discussion about fire, you know, obviously is very apropos. Yeah. And so the, so Mars energy is going to have to do with aggression, uncompromisingness. Yeah. The urge to action, the, the, the not being satisfied with simply letting things develop. It's going to be, we need to act now. And is is immediate an immediate challenge to something? I challenge what's happening right now, and where it's aggressive and obviously sometimes violent. So the challenge, besides just a ch challenge being aggression towards other people, is certainly a, a challenge of what we would usually call basic mores of the human condition. I mean, basic basic morality: Thou shalt not kill. Uh -huh and challenges to that commandment of how to live human life properly. Yeah, right, so Saturn is involved in the square, so, so yeah, there's, that's the moral authority and the traditional authority, but when you put it down to, like what you just said, the, the fifth commandment, thou shalt not kill, and uh, the people are saying, well, no, I will. Yeah, I'm looking at the word challenge from the Latin, actually, Calumnia, which is calumny. Calumny? Remember that? <laughs> you know that word, right? Yeah, yeah. A, a calumny is, uh, is a f false statement that's, that's um, actionable. Yeah, calumny. Trickery. Mm. Slander, deceive, confuse, a false and malicious statement meant to hurt somebody's reputation. Uttering of such a statement or slander. And from that word comes challenge. Hmm. Middle English to Old French having to do with accusation or claim, wow. or dispute from the Latin calumnia, calumny, a demand for identification. A century gave the challenge. Who goes there? Calling into question, demanding of proof or explanation, a challenge of the premises of an argument. Hmm. Call or dare to take part in a duel or a contest. Very Mars energy. Yeah. Anything as a demanding task that calls for special effort or dedication where we get into the sense of challenge and, and perhaps it's more productive sense of I challenge myself. I have a challenge to do this well, although certainly it could be involved in an aggressive situation. An objection to a vote or someone's right to vote, timely. A formal objective or exception to a person who has been chosen as a prospective juror, challenge a juror. So challenge overall seems to be an objection of something by calling into question, prove it to me, show me. We see a lot of that going on in upper levels of the government where people are doing things that are to you and me on, on any given day would say, well, no, you don't do this. It's not the right thing to do. And you have people in political positions who are trying to change the system to suit them saying, prove it to me that it has to be that way. And if you take that argument to its illogical lengths or its illogical ends, you have things like you have John Bunyard. Yeah. The rules about murder are, are unfair and inconsistent. Is his conclusion after admitting his premise of having killed people? Oh, that was that was chilling. I think we need to explain that. Uh, yeah, because I heard it in translation class when Thane was telling the story about the young man who came in contact with the Prosperos, John Bunyard, who was later convicted as the Knob Hill rapist, having raped several women and killed several people in a crime spree in the uh, 70s. I think it was. 
And he suggested to Thane, to people he was in contact with, the Prosperos, he developed a line of reasoning for his actions, saying that I have killed someone in cold blood as his, as his major premise. And then his minor premise in his line of reasoning was that I am basically a decent human being, not depraved and not horrible. And he concluded for himself that the laws about murder are incorrect and unfair. Right. So he, in an odd and twisted way of challenged thinking, called into question basic moral premises, archetypal, biblical, even if we look at the fifth commandment. He called into question some of the most basic human principles of interaction that anyone can imagine. And that a person can do this and operate on such a line of reasoning. I mean, clearly we say they're crazy. They should be taken out of the public sphere because they're not, they're not safe. And yet we have an, a plethora of it going on where their challenges are resulting in tragic situations that have a lot of us confused. How does this happen? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, one thing, when you were talking about um, John Bunyan's story, uh, it came to me the uh, Krishnamurti wrote a, a little book, a journal that he kept for like a year and a half he kept a journal. So uh -huh. this, this doesn't come out of Krishnamurti's um, regular work, so, but it has to do with this idea that, that there are ideologies and that we believe the ideology tells us that it's okay to kill. Hmm. And so we create an ideology that allows us to do things that are actually intrinsically evil and wicked. We have an ideology that tells us that it's okay to smash the windows of a business in a town hmm. or that it's okay to fire at an unarmed individual. All of these have their justifications and their ideologies around them. And so Krishnamurti's point was ideology is, is, is not uh, anything useful for a person who wants to live a spiritually meaningful life. Yeah. It gets in the way. Yeah. I mean, so there, in that sense, the constructive challenge may be challenge the ideologies that are pushing you around. Exactly. That's where the real challenge is, and the real challenge belongs. The idea of, you know, having control over others is maybe one kind of strength, but having control over yourself and your own ideologies, that's where real power exists. Because ideologies build up one's sense of identity about oneself, but ideologies by their very nature, because they're human material constructions, are always limited, they're separative, they invariably wind up in conflict with other ideologies, equally valuable or put forth with equal energy by someone else. Whereas the real challenge in living life as a human being, as a citizen of the universe, is, as you say, to overcome the ideologies that have been driving our decisions. That is the challenge of living a good life. And, of course, there we have to take it back then to our own consciousness, where the ideology is cooked up by whatever means, Either it was ground into us from early days by parents or by other people that we perhaps unwittingly pledged allegiance to for some reason, wherever they came from, the ideologies, they have to be challenged. Say, prove to me, give me something I can prove before I accept this ideology. And in that proof, you have to go back into your consciousness and really unwind the whole thing. And that the first thing that should, that should become aware of or do when they realize that they have an ideology of any kind, is asked the question that's pertinent to releasing hidden splendor, who taught me that ideology? Who taught me that? Who taught me that this, is, this ideology is a good one to live by and therefore allows me to do things that may be against basic human nature? Who taught me mm -hmm. 
that the rules are unfair or incorrect because the rules are causing me some personal grief. <laughs> uh-huh, right. So this goes to the, the point that we've made, I think, several times, that we, we have these unconscious biases that we're born into. We're born into a world of a certain culture, of the culture of our family, the, where, where our family stood in relation to other families in the community. What were the things that helped you to get ahead? What were the things you were never supposed to do ever, ever, ever? And um, we create kind of, it's not really an ideology in the sense that, you know, it's uh, preached from the heavens or something, but it's... And we learn it from somebody. Exactly, yeah. We, we, we as three, four, five, six, seven-year-old, we don't study the information and dream this up for ourselves. Somebody we've attached ourselves to because of lo loyalty, an idea of love, or because they were the parents and the parents were the giants and we had to survive in their presence, so we had to go along with them. Somebody taught it to us, and we have to get at that. We have to get at that and challenge that in the interior, in our consciousness, by whatever means, by meditation, by translation, if you're Prospero or releasing the hidden splendor, by tea groups, by you know men's groups, women's groups, protests, by whatever means. The right challenge is always in the interior. And when we get back to that which is essential in us, because sooner or later, that's, that's the only place we, where we can arrive. If we challenge and can tear down every ideology or ideological premise, where are we when we've gone through all that? We're left with what we essentially are, yeah. that which is inarguable, that which is unavoidable, that which is present, even in the midst of the darkest blindness an ideology may be wreaking on us. There's an essential self of ourself that not only is untouched by ideology, but does not recognize ideology, does not recognize the separateness, does not recognize the, the over or under hierarchical nature of energy or power because it's that nature of ourselves is the same as the nature of everyone else. And it is an inclusive, ever-present being that we are. A verb, not a noun, the being that we all are. That's where we get to when we've torn down every other cooked-up construct or ideological piece of baggage that may have been pushing us around for years. It's quite a release when you can even step away from one little piece of it. Yeah. But I, I do think that it's a great flip for us to understand challenge to relate to challenging our own prisons, our own prison cells. Yes, you're right. Yeah. Then you have a worthwhile challenge instead of uh, something where you're out beating somebody over the head with something or wasting a whole bunch of time and uh, electrons on the on the internet trying to spew out one message or another. Yeah. Yeah, the real challenge needs to be on the interior. And that doesn't, does not say that we shouldn't speak out in the face of injustice. But what speaks out is what we've arrived at by challenging all of our own susceptibilities. What speaks out is the wholeness and the totalness of us. What speaks out is the inclusiveness of us, so that what is right in terms of human behavior becomes obvious when you're coming from that identity. Yeah, it, it rings out with real authenticity. Yeah, and it sees through the phoniness of not only ourselves, but whatever else might be being portrayed. And somehow or another, we'll see through the, the phoniness and perhaps the lostness or the, the abject confusion of a John Bunyard. And if it's ever going to stop, it's got to come from there. Because to just go out and challenge externals as externals, that game can go on in infuriating tragedy forever. Oh yeah. If we let it if we let it. Yeah. And and it's been the story of mankind, really. 
however many hundreds of thousands of years we want to ascribe to him, he's been at it from the wrong end. And the big challenge is to go in. Yeah, I like the understanding that, you know, it's by going in that you get to something real. Yes. And, and then what comes out is something that has an, an incredible authenticity that it just glows. People can see it. People identify it. They just want to connect with it because they see that it's real and not wow. just more posturing and uh, pretense, uh, pretense that so much of our world lives with these days. Yeah. And you know it. When somebody's coming from a very authentic place in themselves, you know it. You feel it. You may not even agree with them, but there's something admirable in, in a very real sense, admirable. It is so worth emulating. Someone who's done the work of self-examination at, really, at a really profound level. And no weapons are required. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and that, what that means, of course, is that you begin to see that brandishing a weapon and having a weapon in your possession is a false sense of power. It's mm -hmm. really a lie. It, it, it masquerades as being, look at me, I'm a big man, I have this gun. Yeah. Um, but, you know, if you follow those stories, every single one of them ends in somebody dies and then somebody comes and kills you. And uh, then somebody comes and kills the guy who killed you. And before you know it, there's just a lot of death. Yeah, and you never get what you wanted to get in the first place that way. You never wanted to get to that place inside yourself that recognized your own real value, your importance, your power. If we can't even say much of anything else, we can say that a, a gun will never get you those things or any other method that comes from that outer externals, challenging externals. I would say <laughs> that, is, that is, you know, one of the few statements that, I, that, that you can't nuance or challenge. <laughs> it's so right. self-evidently obvious. Exactly.